0: You know, I got to say, by the third record, um, Joyous was the third one, right? Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. I felt like um, I was really hearing a lot of more influences in the the sound at that point. First off, especially from, you know, the second record on and as you went, the Pleasure sound stood out from, you know, the funk R&B pack, if you will, because. I mean, it's a little hard for me to describe it, but you guys did not just fall into like the cliches and, you know, it was serious funk, but it had nuances and it had elements that you might not expect and and little turns and twists that kept it really interesting for the listener. Um, It made it a little harder sometimes, I think, to have the massive hits, but, you know, for those that were willing to listen and go a little deeper the rewards were there. And on that joyous record, I mean, you know, I heard influences coming through like, um, you know, definitely Larry Graham and in, in Nate's yes. you know, progression.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, no question about it. Yes. <laughs> um, well, even the title, well, the uh, dance to the music, even the title of that one is kind of a throwback to you, you were saying how. Before, when you were talking, Michael, and you're saying you're trying to learn dance to the music, you meant the original Sly Stone uh, track, right? Not this one that's on Joyous.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Right. So here it is all these years later. And you guys did another tune uh, with that with that name. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, just a variety, too, from Sass the Frass Girl um, to uh, the dance to the music to uh, Can't Turn You Loose. Serious bass driven funk there.
2: Yeah, that's another Donald Hepburn special.
1: That's another Hepburn special. Yeah. And that's uh, the musical freedom that Wayne unleashed upon us. Yes. It. Go for he, it. He unleashed it. He <laughs> unleashed it. He said, us. released <laughs> the Kraken. <laughs> he did. So we just went for it.
0: Yeah. And I just heard uh, on the instrumental, uh, the instrumentals, like some Headhunters. Influence. Yes.
2: Very oh, much of course. so. Yeah. Of course. And, and, I, and I do want to say to you, That's that's what Nate and Bruce uh, really brought to us is they because Nate more than than Bruce, but Bruce got he got around a little bit with with Wayne doing some sessions for for the the first, uh, you know, go around and they met Harvey Mason. They met George Benson. They met all these people. And so they'd be like talking about how he played this and how he played that. So when you say you can hear that headhunter influence of Harvey or you can hear Larry Graham, they knew these people. I don't know if you saw Nate's post on Facebook where he's like got his arm around um, Ron Ron, uh, Sly Stone's bass player. I mean, it's just I'm telling you, these these are the guys who got out into the world. They partnered and played and lived with the realities of all of these great people who have influenced not just us but influenced the world changed the world with their innovation and uh-huh. then they brought it back and, I, and that's why I'm saying to you this isn't personal about anything About this is about the people who wanted us to go forward they wanted to, they wanted to nurture us like an organism to, to, to thrive and go forward and that's Please, what my life has been all about, that's why I'm who I am today
1: there you go. And all, all those influences that, that, that we um, happen to, to, to melt into the pleasure situation, uh, especially on Joyous. I mean, I remember meeting Harvey through a session that I did with Bobby Lyle. There you go. The Genie. Um, the Genie. Yeah, there was, was, was a record called New Warrior. And Harvey was just brilliant, just the nicest guy. And, you know, watching him perform. In the uh, in the studio and and just hearing the, the just seeing the human side of him, it was just really really enlightening and amazing to to, to watch. Um, so, you know, of course, in our conversation, I had to ask him about about the uh, Headhunters record. I had to say, man, that record, man, <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> so, of course, I'm you know I'm learning every note on it. Of course, and me and Bruce were listening to it. it was like, wow, we're jamming to it. And Harvey's like, yeah, man, it was all right, man. I said, "Wait, wait you It was all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the Har- this, I'm, this is what I think Harvey meant. Harvey was such a great guy. He, he 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 never. I don't think he ever was satisfied with, with some, some of his stuff. I mean, I think he was always searching to be better. And I think when he said that to me, I think it was. I called him at a moment when he was saying, ah, I, I could have played this better. I could have played that better. But the, you know, the thing is, when you listen to that to those records. I mean, they are milestones. They are brilliant. His performance, yes. brilliant. I mean, he may, you know, who, you know, he, I think he might have been worried about temple or something. Who knows? Who cares? Because, you know, if you look at Chameleon, when that started, it started one temple and it ended another temple. But yes. that was the beauty of it. It was. That, that was the beauty of it. It started one way and the energy and, and the love and the and just, just the whole vibe of the whole BAM, and they, they all went there together. It wasn't like he was dragging or pulling anybody behind, you know. So, so all those are the, the stories and, and, the, and the influence that, that helped me you know, broaden my, my thought of writing and, and being, a, being a musician, especially in terms of going and playing for other artists. It's a whole other thing. When, you, mm-hmm. when I'm playing pleasure music, it's one thing, because it's like, this is me, it's what I do. But when you're trying to go in there and play <laughs> somebody's stuff you've never heard before, and you're trying to interpret interpret it the way they want to hear it. You got to get it just like that. I mean, you need all the mental information you can get to yes. try to get it right.
0: <laughs> yeah. yes. well, who who is, who is mainly responsible for the arrangements through those early records for pleasure?
2: Well, Ooh, okay. Michael. I get to okay. So I get to yeah. So I get to I get to I get to first say what I did do, and then I get my like one sentence rant. So my what I did do was. I would be the person who would, like, do the vocal arrangements. Um, Dan Brewster did horn arrangement and, believe it or not, orchestral arrangement. That joyous, that's his. That's Dan. And he got to stand up there and conduct an orchestra in a major session in Hollywood, okay? This is stuff that is, it's like, these are the unknown stories of pleasure. People Mm -hmm. think that, like, you know, that's... People got, you know, get a title of producer and it means they like got everything done. And that's just not the case at all. I mean, we were self-contained. And we weren't at first Wayne had he had every reason to wonder what we could or couldn't do and to do things by the book. He was <laughs> beholden to fantasy. However, he was like blown away when when Dan showed him the orchestra with the, well, well, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The I mean, ballad is sitting in right there. I mean, Dan you know, walks Dan, in with all yeah. written up. funny. Yeah, it, you know, I, I would never have been able to transcribe Big Band music. The first Big Band chart I transcribed was Quincy Jones' Stockholm Sweetening. And it actually won me Quincy Jones' autograph. Okay? But I wouldn't have known how to transcribe them what the different clefts are and the, the different um, uh, uh, transpositions for all the different horns if Dan hadn't taught me and if we exactly. had not been friends from grade school I mean that's how yep. this worked that's what pleasure is really about that's the true story of why we're educated why we know what we were doing and we convinced Wayne and Wayne gave us credibility and he allowed us to validate ourselves. So absolutely. So absolutely. you know, we would have to come up with vocal harmonies. Okay. I would do that. Whatever we would be called upon for the moment to make a song happen, okay, I'll figure it out. That's really how it works. That's how it works. Often I'd be trying to figure it out and somebody would answer back, oh, but more like this. And then there would be this very collaborative aspect of it, because we've been that way we've been from that way. childhood. I mean like yeah. We just we're just like a club, really a clubhouse of boys. And you know, this is what we this is how we did everything. But I can tell you my biggest, like, I don't know, I'll just say it, um, kind of um mentoring moment for the sound and the identity of pleasure was when Nate and Doug brought Universal. Do you know that tune? Uh
0: which record is that one on?
2: That's on Future Now. It's the second, it's the second song. Well, technically, it's the third song you hear, but is it... Third song, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a funky one, yeah.
2: Well, no one knew what to do with it vocally. And Bruce Smith had some lyrics. And they were different and kind of colorful. And no one knew what to do with it. And so I said, okay. Let me go out there and let me just try to start and I wouldn't say it I wouldn't have said it this way back then, but sculpt some kind of vocal approach to this like incredibly innovative song with, like n- we nobody heard anything like it before, and then I went out there and just like did it. it was like I'm reading these words, I'm singing what i would what I would hear somebody singing that's funky with this and the, and we actually just innovated a sound that became pleasure. You and cannot let me, compare let, it to Joyce. You cannot me, compare it to Get to the Feeling. You cannot compare it to Midnight at the Oasis. It's what Nate brought. And it started to go Nate's going to talk.
1: Let me interject. Thank you, Michael. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> yeah,
0: see, Nate, Nate <laughs> has a writing story on that one.
1: <laughs> Check it out. And I know we're jumping forward to the future now, right? But I just want to say something about, about Universal. If you listen to the first, the intro, a couple of bars where the horns are doing their thing, and you hear Michael underneath saying, I can't do my bang on the water. He's looking at the lyrics and laughing, <laughs> looking at them. Because he's trying to figure out what to do, you know. So that's, that's right. That's a little tidbit. So we're like but he goes, I can do my thing on That's what that's about. we left it. I mean, so I mean Michael's absolutely right. That's that's the way we used to do things. We used to try to we did it collaboratively. We just kinda just figured it out as we went along. You know. Anyway, go ahead, Michael. I'm listening and enjoying myself.
0: Well, I think you have to make yourself. I want to ask, um, when did you guys first go out on the road after you got your record deal?
2: Well, I I know the first time that I went with the band on the road, which is 1975, and we went. I remember we played the Child Herald in Washington D.C. Right. We just kind of crawled our way across the country, one place after the other. That's how we did it. Um, uh, but I would say it was Less Dance was to hit. Right. And and uh, and uh, ghettos of the mind. Right. And people loved ghettos of the mind. That's another Donald Hepburn a special. Of Donald Hepburn you of go. The with Oscar Bashir playing that solo. That's mm-hmm. right. And we didn't have a trumpet player.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right we're thinking about this okay we got this trumpet on here uh how are we
0: gonna <laughs> do it on the synth, or what would you do oh for that? no there were no synthesizers
2: in 1975 there's no, <laughs> no portable synthesizers that you could take uh no mini move but anyway um what did we do if for life if there was we couldn't afford it i can guarantee you that but mm-hmm. um um i guess they had I guess it was an arp string ensemble. I think I had an arp string ensemble back then.
1: And you had a clavinet. Um, and a, a
2: claps. You know, so yeah. And um, and you, and you you had some toys. And you <laughs> might have yes. just got that echo plex too that you were going crazy Yes, up. Mr. Goldfine. He, <laughs> he said, "Boys, boys." Yes. No, we no, had some toys. We're, we're like in Mr. Goldfine's class. <laughs> class, and we've been back in the back talking and slapping the tall and jolts. Okay.
0: <laughs> Spit so out right? that gum.
2: <laughs> exactly right um either repeat question or next question
0: <laughs> so when you went out on that first tour was it just you guys playing small clubs or did you
2: yeah. uh, share
0: a bill with any other acts at that point uh
2: i don't think we did a lot of sharing we i know we like i said child herald and then there was this club in baltimore nathaniel do you remember that and we also played oh a, a show that was like a a very local in Baltimore, a local version of Soul Train, and we got to play um, Less Dance. We may have played Ghettos of the Mind, but it was actually a little televised show. Yeah. You what know? was the name of that club, dude? Oh. Yeah, I don't know, but that was like a funky little club. Is that uh, the place? That's not
1: the time when we played with Bill Withers, is
2: it? Or no, but I'm glad you mentioned that. That was Paul's Mall. Paul Small. We also played Paul's Mall, and so that was one of the few few concerts. I mean, few um, uh, club uh, uh, gigs that we played. Uh, we opened for Bill Withers. Wow, he That's was in right. his peak then. And that was fantastic because, yeah, he had, he he was not having the best night personally, but his band and he got down. But that, yeah, oh yeah, uh, "Use Me" was the hit.
1: Oh, he was killing me! And,
2: yeah, all of that stuff was yeah. And by the way, because Nate was talking about Harvey, isn't that Harvey on that record?
1: You know, I don't. I think that might be that might be uh, Mister Gatson,
2: I believe. Okay, James Gatson. Yeah. Um, because that drumming is incredible on that record. On well,
1: you talking about James Gatson. That's Watch 130 Rhythm Band, Dak and the Blazers, and oh,
2: okay, and, Dak and, and countless the other
1: sessions. Yes.
2: I <laughs> Yeah, we used to we used to play Tiger and the Blazers when we were the Soul Masters. Absolutely. Yes, we did.
1: Yeah. We used to play Let yes, uh, a, a Woman Be a Woman.
2: Yes. And let a man <laughs> be a man. Sure I
1: did. Know. We covered all that. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: What, what were the pleasure shows like? Um, a couple of records in when you were more in your own thing. What were the shows like? Um, and did you go out on any of the big, uh, I think we mentioned earlier, we were talking Nate off the air about um, that um, was the Isleys and Graham show, right? Before yeah, well,
2: how many of those types
0: of shows did you guys? Here's do? how
2: yeah, here's, here's yeah. how I remember. You know, it's funny you're talking about this as as if we should be able to just dial up thirty years ago and just <laughs> oh I was right here on the corner of Sixth and Jonathan. And, you know, and, and 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 that's not possible. But here's what here's how I recall it. Um. We did the kind of club dates that we just described until uh, our then manager got us a tour with KC and the Sunshine Band. And that tour was a gigantic, major tour.
1: Now, was that I during mean, Joyous? Was that during the Joyous record? Or uh,
2: it? Yes, it yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And. And it, that's so so that's that's 1976 and 1976 and or 77. Right. But but you know how big Casey and the Sunshine Band Yeah. Was. Get down tonight. Gigantic that's the way all that was up gig- then. Gigantic yeah. venues. And and we were we were truly not really prepared for that kind of level of concert. But we learned so much and grew into having a sound that was worthy of those halls. We always were a very powerful and dynamic group. That's what you could hear. But if you listen to the difference in how joyous sounds and the difference to how Celebrate the Good Things sounds, we learned <laughs> so much about how to make an impact from how we played on tours like KC. Cause that band would roar like a lion Each and every single night. I mean, you would hear, that's the way I like it. Get down. Get down tonight. I mean, I'm serious. Um, Strong.
1: Very strong.
0: Oh,
2: my God.
0: Plus, plus you know what to do as a front man, too.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's a horn section to bar none. Yes. Casey's horn section. That's a horn section bar none. I'm not sure. I think they may have been out of Tallahassee. They may have been out of uh, FSU. I don't remember. But they were an unbelievable band.
0: <clears throat> well, yeah, I don't know. TK Records was in Florida, but I'm not sure where they came from.
2: Right.
0: So d- did you guys, um, you know, were you were you very comfortable on stage or did you prefer the studio?
2: Oh, my God. We are players, so we enjoyed live playing. There was never any. Yeah, we were... So we were live players before we ever did anything in the studio. And when we did our little demo tape, that was like, we had no idea, you know, what we really were doing. Um, We had no production skills until Wayne. Um, I think that, uh, that it's fair to say that Wayne really took Marlon under his wing in terms of developing production skills. But, you know, because we are so organized in terms of arranging and in terms of understanding what a true manicured composition should be conceptually not talking about just does it sound right but actually understanding you know, what parts should be where what parts should be where they should be in terms of not the pure audio spectrum as you would say like as an engineer but what they should be as a composition where should the strings be? Where should the horns be? Where should the vocals be? Where should the lead vocal be? I mean, you know, is this baritone vocal? Is this, you know, if, for instance, you can look at what uh, what song was that? Um, I don't really remember the name because I don't like it so much, and everybody else likes it. That ballad that I did,
0: "Farewell,"
2: "Farewell Goodbye," "Farewell Goodbye." Yeah,
0: Farewell, I'll goodbye on one and only get to two the feeling. That I- did I sing baritone? You know, it's like,
2: because baritone is what it, it should be. It's like, we understand composition from the ground up. I mean, like, academically, not, not you know, like, just experientially or, you know, just kind of doing it till you fake it till you make it. I mean, you know, okay. these things were studied and these things were learned and they're understood.
0: So, so I got to ask, I got to ask Nate, is Michael a perfectionist?
2: Yes, but
1: oh. he's, a, he's a he's a he's a passionate perfectionist. He's, he's smart enough to realize that that there 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 are imperfections that are just as good as things that are perfect.
2: <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you for thank you for for, for bringing that back into the semblance it's of true. not being a a, a a dictator or something like
1: this <laughs> Well, you know some some things that have for a prime example. Let's talk about the song you don't like. You know mm-hmm. that that song you, the the ballad man. We were crying in the studio, and you know we were when we playing that song back. We were all crying when those strings went down on that. Now I know what you don't, what you have, what you feel weird about because you you did a demo vocal on that, and once again you had a piece of paper in your hand and you were singing. <laughs> you're singing it, and you're singing it, and singing it, and singing as We got through. The, I think the following day we're going to do a real vocal version of it. And for some reason, it it didn't work out. You know, we were were all, well, you know, it's not sounding good. I I, I, I turned to to Wayne and said, Wayne, what's wrong with the one that he did yesterday? Wayne, listen. Hold on a minute. Push the button. (laughs) We to his demo and Wayne said, yeah, let's just use a demo. So I get it. I mean, you know, I thought you did a great job. That album is great, man. It's killer. You wrote this a beautiful song, man. That's so a, you know, it's, it's that's just a, one of those things, man. People,
2: that's a very I good still, example. Check it and out. They, I, I they, still they, get, they, I, there. You go, I, Scott. That's the answer to one of your questions earlier about you know things that you don't necessarily want, but that you live with. Because honestly, I mean, you know, clearly the performance was there, but I actually just think you know. For me, being the, the person who would like emote like that and having an, them, it's just, you know, it certainly is not the flash power and brilliance of what Pleasure is really truly like known for. But you so know what? Me, that, yeah, that was I, a I, lot I, of exposure to do this, something
1: like that. It was a lot of exposure, but that, that's the beauty of, of it being raw like that because I still get letters from people saying they've used that song at their wedding, or not wedding, but their funerals that's a big deal
2: that's a big deal well, it's,
0: like, it's like a lot of people don't like to hear themselves talk actors don't want to see themselves act yeah we don't like photos of ourselves that other people like you know <laughs> right. so right. critical of ourselves
1: Touché, uh, no, right. Scott.
0: <laughs> yeah you know on that uh get to the feeling record though i, I wanted to mention um thanks for everything real yes, cool sir. the gang influence on that isn't it
2: yes yeah. Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> and I mean, and you know, that's no another one that with Wayne. Come on, everybody, let's do it. You know, there's like him and my brother, like, you know, and I tell you what, that's a bass track performance for the ages. What Nate did on that, him and Bruce Carter. Phil's, oh, that's there are so many incredible moments. Yeah. That's a great song.
1: Great we, recording. We, we were so wild of recording that record, boy. I mean, and, and we were so excited. I mean, you, you can feel the energy in that thing, boy, because, man, I listen to it now. It's like, man, I, I have the regrets. It's like, oh, man, I wish I could have played that a little bit there. For it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I did that right there. Me and Bruce, me, of course, me and Bruce, after we do every take, me and Bruce are always outside somewhere in another room talking about it. Bruce would be like, man, I don't know, man, I don't know. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, was half the time, he wasn't happy with his takes, I have to tell you, he wasn't happy, but he always wanted to keep going and keep doing over and over and over again. And so, of course, in a, in a band situation, man, it goes to a boat, it goes to a boat, and Producer producers say, hey, man, it's cool, or the, the guys in the yes. band say, it's all right, man, it's cool. So, so, of course, we just let it go. So, you know, I think on, on I think even Bruce... If Bruce were here, bless his heart, he would probably say, "Man, I wish I could have done that over again." We can go on, go on the line, and he'd be at least probably thirty percent of the stuff that he's done on race. I wish I could do that. Wish I could do that
0: over. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you now. So, through get to the feeling, pre future now, um, how did you guys feel about the commercial success that you had had? You know, was it something that was prominent on your minds, or were you just feeling good about what you've created? How did that balance work for both of
2: you? Well, I'll say it this way. I think the band definitely had a hunger and an appetite um, uh, to achieve more. Um, I think that's fair to say. You know, we felt that we were continuing to make progress. Um, I don't feel like we had the... um, the growth from get to the feeling that we wanted to have uh, from after joyous i think that we felt like uh, we needed to be more ambitious but i don't think we knew where it was going to come from and i know nobody saw it coming from spaces to place universal um, and glide and i really can't remember nate um, was spread that feeling is that on Special Things or Future? That's on
1: Special Things, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, But we didn't see, you know, because Nate brought those tunes into the studio while we were making the record. And we had not, you know, he had not introduced them to us, he and Doug. And that's when Doug came to the band, was during Future Now.
1: Right.
2: Look back at that lineup. No Doug on Get to the Feelings.
1: No Doug
2: on Joyous. No Doug on Dust Yourself Off.
1: And you know what's interesting about that, that transition between Get to the Feeling and, and uh, Future Now? And I think we, Michael, you and I, we talked about this. There, there are a few songs on there that I had to say personally, I was like, I don't know, man. I, I felt we were in, in, in our quest to be, to be popular and to be successful. Yep. I think we we might have been, we start we started leaning towards trying to sound like other people on a couple of songs totally, and so I, I'm like thinking I'm like, like oh my god we are we are not these guys we are not these guys we are flesh we got to figure I, it out yeah
2: and, and I'm so, not gonna yeah, I'm I'm not I am not gonna over, over speak that because Nate just said it perfectly but I will say this when you listen to get to the feeling. You hear what I was talking, what I referenced with you, Scott, earlier about being formal formalistic. I mean, like getting to where there are actually, um, uh, you know, people have these, uh, these formalistic, uh, stylistic kind of packagings that they get into. When you hear, you go, oh, that's so-and-so. And... I believe that with Wayne, we began not just him from him, but we began to look for that. Right. And I think that's exactly what Nate is referring to.
1: Yeah. Without missing any names. No. <laughs> who was,
2: the, 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 who the, we were going towards the you sound? Know, but the point, yeah, the point, the, you know, the point of it is just that 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 is far less ambitious as dust yourself off. I'm talking about. What the music you hear on "Dust Yourself Off," the compositions you hear, the arrangements you hear—I mean, there's a lot of safeness in a lot of those tunes on "Get to the Feeling," except for
1: except for
2: celebrate the good
1: things, no matter what. And um...
0: yes, well, no even in, in some of the names called. like "Foxy Lady" and "Ladies Night Out," I mean, they're just kind of generic. Uh, everyone yeah. had songs Maybe. called those.
2: Now, even you're, even, you're even though I love that, talks, and, and, and the, the wonderful thing about that, Scott, is for us to get the confirmation from you, a musicologist, someone who knows the history of funk, someone who also understands music as a musicologist. What it is we're talking about, you can't listen to dust yourself off or accept. You can't listen to less dance and talk about formalistic. No, song. We, I'm not we, talking about the whole record. Just look at Just Let's Dance as just a concept. There's nothing formalistic about it.
1: It didn't sound like so, anybody else.
2: That was the key. You know, but, but but I also, wait, I think a soprano it's important. sax solo like Wayne Shorter in the middle of a dance tune? No, that's not formalistic. So no. I'm just trying to give you a sense of the sharp contrast, the juxtaposition of the point that you yourself were able to just draw about get to the feeling. And so I'm just pointing this out again. I just say uh, saying. Great, great record. Great record. That's Wayne's but, 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 last record. But That's Wayne's last record. That's the swan song. And then Future Now.
0: I, I want to just, I know, Nate, you can speak just a second. I just want to interject. People, you know, fans that weren't there at the time, you got to realize this was the height of funk, jazz, R&B, and there were so many other groups out there, all having, so many of them having their own sounds. To find your lane and find that unique space was not easy. Right. It was a challenge, you know. So you definitely and have so to
2: elevate so, your game. So perfectly said. Very yeah. well said, Matt. about the industry at that moment. That is that is the you clearly know the industry as a collective consciousness in that moment, Scott. That's exact. That's precise.
1: And yeah. and, and notwithstanding uh, the songs like "No Matter What" and celebrating some of those plastic pleasure things, they were. I I would walk out of the studio on some of those sessions during get the feeling thinking, okay, we are not this band, we don't want, why are we trying to sound like this band? So in the back of my mind, I knew that whatever happened in the future, <laughs> we better get back to being original. We better come out with some stuff that, yeah. that, that that's going to be, um, that's going to establish us. It's going to make us sound like, Bach.
2: well, enter. By, by the same token,
0: was there anyone else out there at that time that were sort of your peers that you guys were like, wow, these guys are hopping off like a slave or anybody. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? Slave, come on, man. All of it
2: came out. All of it came out. Like, yeah, you got to be. I mean, we enjoyed, yeah, we enjoyed everybody who was out there. And I really don't want to get too deep into funkadelic parliament. But, oh, my God, I mean.
1: We, we lived with Knee Deep on the road for like a, two hours.
2: Every,
1: every time we got on the bus on the road, we put on Knee Deep. You. i mean, And so, you know. you know, yeah. Yeah, we we, we, we were, once again, at, at that stage, we were still very involved in listening to other artists and, and loving what other people people did. Um, I think it got to a point where someone, in terms of like, like the formula thing, we got inspired by it and that that was the danger of it all
2: yeah keys you know, to, Nate,
1: the keys to enjoy the keys the keys to enjoy other acts but still try to keep your own uh, keep your own eye uh, <laughs> find your own space you
0: know what you point uh, you connecting that dot to is at
2: that time scott we started touring with the bar and if you listen to the <laughs> records the bar yes you nod your head Widely there, then yeah. I see a I see a good nod there. Go up and down because they were beginning to get formalistic themselves. Well,
0: they were like an assimilation
2: group that's, at that point. That's yes. exactly yeah. right. You know and what? No, I'm I, just weird. Go ahead, Nate. I
1: I, I I give them a pass. I know those guys. I mean, I didn't know them personally then, but I looked at the I had to look at the history of the bar case. I love those guys, dude. those guys go way 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 bad. way way. Way back, so I mean, you know, bless them for, for, for you know, keeping a career going, man. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. you got yeah, do to do, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to point out I... that we weren't the only ones putting ourselves in boxes, and we were around people who had a much bigger, more depth discography and a much bigger, wider name recognition who were doing it. And everybody was trying to do it. Think about when Cool and the Gang came back with Jungle Boogie. I mean, think about um, all the different ways that a lot of different groups tried to remake themselves. Some successful, some not. Um, you know, we, but, but Scott, you pointed it out. It was a collective consciousness. We weren't alone in this um, search for identity. Um, everybody, many people, many groups had it. The earth wind and fire of need of need of love is a different earth wind and fire. When you start talking about evil, or when you finally get to devotion, that's a different earth wind and fire. And so, people trying to find themselves, we understand. We were right there in it, and you're pointing it out that that's how deep we were in it. And we were young, and we were, um, we were. Uh, um, uh, capable of being uh, uh, influenced on what That's should be right. happening and what to do. So you're, you're, you're you, making a great point.
1: You're making a very good point. And at that time in the, in the music business, like you said, there was a lot of bands. At that point, there were a ton of bands. And everybody was um, vying for their, their space. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it was maybe pressure from a label. You know, who yes. knows? being our yes. guy. Yes. We want a well, song like this. We want a song like. You guys
0: that. resisted disco, so that's a huge. Man,
1: well, we did. Black ivory, come on, Nate. We,
2: black we, ivory.
1: We, 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 oh, black ivory. We sure did. Big we Apple did. rock. We sure See, did. See, I got
2: some. I got some obscure stuff for you, Scott. I forgot about
1: that.
2: Look at black ivory,
1: big apple rock. Yes, yeah,
2: we did. for the most part. For the most part. Have what? an understanding. What? Yeah. Well, you know that was what, them, but then they went somebody tried
1: to break them back to disco to yep, you know, Exactly so. well that was that was the era then. That was every the labels were pushing for that, you know. And um I think we, we escaped the, you know, we escaped yes, we that did. one because once 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 future now I mean um get the feeling had runs course, then we went into to future now and I think it just feels like we we, we kind of knew that there was a that we had to do something with that kind of tempo thing with that kind of beat, yes, but, but exactly it still had to be us. So, once again, Mr. Donald Hepburn, <laughs> Donald, or, or, or I guess you guys collaborate on that. You guys came up with a real
2: thing, yeah, real thing, definitely, real yes. thing, which
1: is up temple things,
2: yeah, and that's Donald, th- but yeah, but we, I mean, honestly, how that record got fleshed out, how future, I mean, how. Real thing got fleshed out. It's so amazing because that tune. It you you know you pointed Donald, but if you hadn't done that like mutron bass thing, that was like in my opinion that's some innovative bass work the horn section, yeah, we just—I did well, some some good stuff, but
1: yeah, Marlon did some great guitar work. I think for me on, the, on that on that bass part, there was a there was a synth bass there, I think, or was it? I, I might have done a, a a basic track. Right, you did. you did.
2: I think that's a Mutron thing. It's some
1: some kind of. Yeah, it's one of the few times when Mutron worked. Yep.
2: It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> it worked. It worked on that session. <laughs>
2: yeah, but then I did the overdose. I
1: think I did the overdose. I didn't know what to do. So, and then at that at that point, there was, I don't even know if we had horns on it when I did my part, but I just oh, started, I
2: Yeah, I don't, think, I I don't think. we did. I don't yeah, think I did. we did because because the horn the horn section was one day and one day only for everything on Future Now. Right. Right.
0: Well, I always thought it. it I definitely had a more distinctive signature kind of sound to it the whole project it was also yes. more consistent thematically
2: yes it was almost uh, a concept album almost. yeah yeah almost
0: um better vocals um you now
2: know. we know now we know who's responsible for that phil Caff. <laughs> <Kaplan. Okay. laughs> phil was <Okay. is> great <laughs> that's the difference between all the records of the past and future now and special things is Phil Caffel became our engineer. And not only was he great as a very young engineer, but he was so successful in developing a great pleasure sound that for the next record, we got to do that record in Fantasy Studio D, which had the synced up 24-track shooters for 48 tracks and a Neve automated board.
1: One of the first. One of the first Neve boards. You graduated. Already. We graduated.
2: Yes, we did.
1: We graduated. But because Future Now
2: was such a successful project and record.
1: Yeah, it's just, it was a maturity thing for us, too. We had grown. Um, we, that, was, that was our first record on our own that we produced ourselves.
2: Yes. Um, yes.
1: Um, the confidence level was high. Um, um,
0: the competition how, how was how high. Did, how did Wayne get out of the picture for that?
2: We asked him.
0: Just
2: yeah. Yeah. We just you know, asked him. That's yeah. There was no there was nothing more than that. You know, I mean, there was there was some drama. I mean, it's not like you, <laughs> right. yeah, it's not there wasn't some drama, but there wasn't drama like, oh, I'm gonna hate you forever. We kept a relationship with him, it was wonderful. Um, and um, you know, that was that, but I think what you're, if you're asking if there was any reason to dispute whether the band was ready to make their own record, we we would if there had been any um, needed necessity for a debate among ourselves, we would have had it. But we knew that we were. I mean that that was we we had made most of the records we made. We made them by, like, okay, we have this tune. Like, that's why Nate has been saying Wayne was so gracious and so fantastic. And that's why I say he was as a, as a really healthy father figure. Because if we presented something to him that was intact, professional, sound, and valid, Wayne would go, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, that's just approval. the way. That's And, and so, yeah. you know, we we knew we had been virtually like making these records what it was that we really needed to do was be able to have our own say in every aspect of it the content all of it you know i
0: got i gotta get deeper on on um glide because that's one of the several one of the seminal tracks of that decade of that era of of golden era funk is glide and um You know, I mean, every true funketeer shares my enthusiasm for that track. And when I first heard it, um, I was in high school at the time. I mean, it's just one of those that you just hear that first time and just like, I mean, you got to make that funk face right away. You You can't help it, you know? Uh, Yeah. I'll tell you what, dude. How How was it created? Tell us how that was
1: created. Well, I, I, I was—I uh, don't know if we were planning on rehearsing for for the for the for that record. Uh, I made a trip to Portland. I was living in L.A. at the time, and the only place I could stay was at my mom's. I was, i could have got a hotel, but hey, I hadn't seen my mom for a while, so I figured I'd stay there with her. And I was in up, upstairs in the, in the in the room upstairs, and the idea just popped in. It just came up. I just—I was practicing, and and I've always loved working with Tenth because I love Ron Carter, he used to do it all the time, I love Ron Carter, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the whole idea just came up, just like the, the, the little cadence, it kind of wrote like about a couple of minutes, you know, and um, that's where it all started, I brought it into the band, I don't know if we, did we rehearse it, Mike, I don't know if we rehearsed
2: mm-hmm. it. No. So, uh, I mean, like, yeah. you may, you may need it, needed to really just kind of point out, like, working it out with Bruce, but I can tell you right, right. Was sort of like you you came with Doug. Um uh Doug, like we have been we we were started working on the record before Doug came down, but you had arranged for Doug to come down. Right. Doug flew in, we picked up Doug, we brought Doug, and this is how again, this is how I recall it and again, I don't like how many years ago is glide. So you don't expect uh. this to be some real accurate depiction of what happened. But Doug comes into the studio, and there's hugs and talks, and you know, man, it's so great to have you. This is fantastic. And Doug sets up, and he's and you guys do. um, Space is the place, right? And and the it we're all just like completely like, we're like, whoa, like what, you know? And we're we're all so inspired. It's like okay. I want to do a collab with a Wawa. Hadn't, we hadn't done it before, but, you know, I'd heard enough Wawa with Sly and stuff that I just love, like Frisky and all that kind of stuff was like, oh, I'm just going, you know, I'm just going to add to this in a really cool way and stay out the way, you know. And that's why even with the horn parts, we just like, it's like, stay out of the way this is a smash. Ah. And it, whether or not it's a, it's a single, we do not care. This is the way that we want people to understand who pleasure is. The next tune right. is universal. Right. And universal. we were like, oh my God, what can't they do? Ah. <laughs> what can't we, they do?
1: Then we got to glide, I think. I was then like, we
2: got to glide. And by that time, we were just like, we knew it was going to be incredible, you know? And it was like, oh my yeah. God.
1: Well, we ran it down a couple of times, and I uh, I don't know if we used, even used a drum machine, or we might have just do just just to see if we can play along with it. I don't know if Bruce was excited about it, but we did it anyway. I think I think he grew to love it actually. And um, we laid the track down, and we all came back into the control room. We were listening, <laughs> and we're listening, and we're listening. Phil turned the volume up, you know, we're listening. We're like, oh man, wow. Yeah. It just sounds. It sounded different in the headphones than it did in the, feel, in the playback. Feel cat feel cat got such a great bass sound and drums are killing. And we were like, it was like 13 minutes long. I don't know how long it was. It was long. It
2: was fantastic.
1: It, and it, so we so so by by the time we got to the end of the song, everybody everybody in the control, everybody's head was like. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. I guess I, I I felt good because this I said okay this is probably. It, I wasn't sure who was going to make the record, but I said, hey, man, if people are grouped on like this, something's got to happen with it.
2: I remember the excitement that I felt when I realized that there was space for me to do some significant roads work. Yes. Because it's not like our stuff really presented a lot of that, although there was always, you know, ballads and mid tempo stuff like Ladies Night Out. You could, and I had felt like I had really made a signature with a, a tune called Thoughts of Old Flame. I thought that I had done a Rhodes track that for us was like, okay, everybody's going to hear this, and they're going to know, like, Jesus, Pleasure's got, like, you know, don't say Michael can't play anymore. Um, and, and I realized, wow, I'm going to get to be able to do some really cool stuff with, th- with the chord progression. And Nate and I just sat there, and he, he every time I he just go, yeah, man. And because it was his conception, is his idea, and he's going, yeah, man. I am like, just yes man. We just <laughs> we just we just feeding off of each other, and I'm doing. I'm just like, oh, okay. So I'm you know, and so based on just that little triad walk up with a couple of signature stabs with you know nines you know uh, ninth chords with nines right. it was just like so dramatic cool but it developed the track and it stayed out of the way
0: you know it's, and we, it's, it's a perfect record all those elements add to the whole perfectly
2: yeah
1: thank you thank yeah. you and then, and then with when you when you talk about uh, the foundation of yeah. that Bruce Carter, man, yeah, he, he laid that out, and I was oh like, my God. I'm, I'm, You know, these, I, I remember seeing him. When we were laying that down. He was behind the behind the um, little things, of, the sound barriers, and you see his little head sticking up. The man, he was laying that stuff out, and he had a smile on his face because he, I, I knew he felt
0: good about it. You you mentioned listening to Knee Deep, which is like 15 minutes long on the tour bus and all that. (laughs) That's a track you never wanted to end. Glide is another one. You never want that groove to end.
2: Wow. Thank you very much, Scott. Um, You know, Mm. and, you know, I will say this. Similarly to how most of us agree that Glide is really, truly the anthem for pleasure, for what it represents, um, you know, we 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 learned that Questlove put together a um, playlist for Michelle Obama's book tour, and Glide is on Volume One of that playlist. And for us, for us to have a strong sense of how well we have become established in um, sort of just the kind of hall of good historic R and B funk tunes we're just we just want to perpetuate that we don't want to let that down that that set a particular standard of quality not of licks not of phrases not of oh we're going to play this the same way not again not a formula but rather we're going to push ourselves every single time and so you know when you when I read what you said sent to Nate about now is the time, and said that you were impressed. Um, it really it really it really helps us because that kind of confirmation. That's how we're going to keep going for it. We're not we don't we don't want to rest on any laurels of any kind. It's all about learning, growing, and continuing.
0: Absolutely, we'll get jump on that in just a minute. Um, before leaving, future now. Unless Jeff Lorber was somehow involved on in that.
2: Jeff Lorber brought a profit synthesizer because we didn't have I didn't have one. And <laughs> right. he has a he has a what do you call it? A credit for synthesizer programming. But Glide is actually it's just it's just a preset. <laughs> glide all you gotta do is adjust literally the the glide knob on <laughs> The prophet. So there was no programming involved, and um, I I don't believe he played anything, but he did provide the synthesizer. Very.
1: I I, I remember him. I remember him hanging out a lot around on. um, um...
2: Nothing to it.
1: Nothing to it,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: well, no, yeah. I, I so think nothing... the, I think you were there, Donald. I think all you guys are like surrounding the keyboard. And I kept seeing all these hands, <laughs> <going>. <laughs> these hands yeah. jumping on different parts when you guys
0: were recording it. Yeah, that's a select track too, that one.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, you know, that. I I just hooked up a wah You know, um, yeah. There may have been some tweaks, but like, you know, e- even that you can hear. It's just a, a regular good old sawtooth. You know, nice bitey sawtooth wave patch. I mean, let me put it this way. Um, only out of all of that, only real thing involved, like, much uh, yeah, tweaking, if anything. Um, uh, but even real thing, if you really listen to it, it's just a lot of portamento. And um, I think that's kind of a pulse wave thing um, when you listen to it. Um, the swoop down, the drop down. But, you know, I did that, and I'm pretty sure I was, like, alone when I came up with it. But, um, you know, and and again, I just can't tell you enough um, about the influences that I have had from Tim Gorman. If it wasn't for Tim Gorman, I wouldn't be a synthesizer player. Mm. I wouldn't have a good sense of what good synth sounds should be. Um, So, but Jeff did provide the profit, and he was definitely there a lot. And I will say this: if you if you think back and you look at the time frame, Marlon was producing Jeff's very first two records right at that moment.
0: Yeah, well, he's like a Pacific Northwest brother,
2: Jeff Lorber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from Philadelphia.
0: Exactly. He, he, Originally, yeah,
1: but yeah, from
2: Philadelphia. That's right.
1: But that is right. Yeah, yeah Je- Jeff right. was a big fan of him. we. You know, we love Jeff. Jeff that was a big, big fan of a fan too. Pleasure fan. He's been a cheerleader for years, man. He's, yeah, he's, uh, he just
2: sent. He's been sending us, uh, mostly Nate, but he's been sending us some iterations of Joyous recently, where he's just soloing <laughs> through it. I mean, he's just he just soloing through it. He just like giving it all he got,
0: kind of. But, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, he he's Jeff a
0: pleasure fan for sure. Just, one more curiosity about Glide uh, for me, and it's that, that synth part that comes in that.
2: Yeah, has returned. Wee, 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 oh. um,
0: yeah. Was that influenced by um, at all by Summer Madness? Yes. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, with the, the
2: three thing. Oct- three octave rise. Yeah. Yeah. Three octave rise. Definitely. Yep. But but it's an answer. It's a call and response to just to the to the to the glide to the background vocals. It just made sense, and it takes you. It's just a nice way to segue up, but exactly, yeah. And I think you think about that. That's that kind of worm, like because that really wasn't a worm. Um, you know what I mean when I say worm?
0: Something that sticks with you.
2: No, <laughs> people think of it that way. They think of right. it as a hook. A um, hook. Yeah. There's, right. there's a there's a particular synth sound that's that's usually um, pulse wave based. That's very high pitched. Um, that, like, always kind of sails over everything. And that's been... It's now a customary term for it is worm. And, um, you know, but but this was just a way for for us to kind of get that laser finish sound in it. It just has that... Zzz, you know, it just has a yeah. and it's just that little kind of... And that's another hallmark of our sound. You're always, always going to hear some kind of synthesis that always is going to be very electronic, but it's out of the way. It's not electronic for electronic sake. Um, it's like all about energy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 and all those parts, they all work together. I mean, the, the stuff that John yes. did, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Smith, uh, they just kind of all just fell together on that on, on that record. We actually had a, a second verse that we wrote uh, Oh, well, I didn't write it, but we considered you having the second verse. But after, once you add that second verse, you added so much more time to it. So I guess the decision was made to forego the second verse and get to that groove at the end. That
0: should have been know. a 12 inch right there. Ah, right.
1: It, right. Was, it I, was
2: a 12 inch. Was, I have it.
0: But, but with that part he's talking about? Oh, no, no,
2: no, no. Yeah. No, I have a 12 inch of the glass. Well, you of- know what?
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, personally, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't like that second verse anyway. I actually didn't like it at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Yeah, like, man, I so.
2: was, I was I had no. I I, yeah, yeah. I had no. I had no attachment to it. But my, you know, I tell you what. My thing is this: if you want to talk about stuff that was left on the cutting room floor, that's just something that I just don't think was like. I'll say it this way: it certainly wasn't essential because the hit speaks for itself. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Nobody's going to say, "Boy, where was that second verse?"
1: <laughs> no, no. no, no. It, you know what? And even after after the after the record was done, I don't think we knew what was up. I, mean, I think we had an idea for a single. Um, I think Future Now, right? We had an idea for that. We put a lot of time into that.
0: And
2: Yeah, I I was not there for that. Did, did you guys consciously
0: decide? Did you consciously decide to sequence Glide so deep into the record? Because usually something, a monster like that, is usually further up on the... Uh, well, that's
1: the thing. We didn't know, man. How, how, how can you know? We didn't know. We, I think what, what the deal was is that it was so long that we <laughs> it couldn't go on the first side. <laughs> so we put it towards the end. And yeah, the thing I, is... I, and, I, and I actually think it really was...
2: I'll just say, just say it this way. It was a colossal... Finale. And I think that's kind of what made it, it made it approach a concept record. Is you get this fusion esque introit of the record that we, that Nate, again, Nate came up with, which with Departure. And then you get this concept tune, Future Now. And I'm not going to get deep into it unless you want to go deep into it, but. It talks about cosmology and physics and blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, but no, 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 no. This is pleasure. We've always been funky, but this is some new funk. This is some funk, conceptual, new stuff you've never heard, and it's jazzy. And we went from there to, okay, yeah, let's now just kind of like relax with the last tune on on the first side. The second side we felt like real thing was just meant to be it because it was gangbusters it's yeah. real thing was gangbusters too you know but we yeah. it, it couldn't follow glide it couldn't not really yeah it couldn't but but by, by the time you get to glide it's like okay it's over you know Why?
0: well, it, well, it, it, well, it, well as it, you're talking about too i'm looking at and still i'm thinking like cd sequencing now but of course, it was the first and second sides at that That's time. That's exactly right.
2: Right, exactly. You know, and so. then from there, you you know you got you got you got to have some kind of cruise kind of control. And I'll say it my, again. I can only speak for myself. Nothing to it, you know. Yeah, you know. But it's because we really made that tune happen. I mean, and it took work to make that tune happen. To come <laughs> up with how the lyrics should fall, how the background should be structured. You know, the horns. And, it, you know, it is kind of when you get to the end, it's kind of a little baby joyous ending. So that was like, OK, well, that gets us, you know, that gets us closer to, you know, to, you know, the end. But I can tell you, when you get to uh, Thoughts of Old Flame, that is one heck of a ballad. And, they, you know, it could have been switched. I, I can't remember. But Thoughts of Old Flame is one heck of a ballad. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Scott, Drake con- contacted uh, my brother, I don't know if it happened or not, but the rapper Drake contacted, contacted my brother to be able to use Thoughts of Old Flame as uh, the bad music track for um, a rap for one of his productions. So, I mean, it just gives you a sense that, you know, pleasure still really has a presence um in our modern hip-hop culture and then it's like okay everybody now we got something for you if it weren't funky enough if we weren't ahead of the curve enough we want something that every bass player is going to want to learn and it's a fun ride it's a party tune it's just like it just was a great finale what
0: what about the the title future now did you have that in mind early on or was that after everything was kind of done you said
2: it was during the process, so I I was I was in undergrad at the University of Washington, on the way to law school, and I took a cosmology class, and back then, uh, Carl Sagan, um, Cosmos was all billions and
0: mind. billions, yeah. yeah. There you
2: there you go, and and I was fascinated by the concept that light from far away, taking light years to get here, is incredibly ancient and old so that's why you have light or life from distant planets are the stories of the future now so I'm not gonna get d- any more deep into the lyrics but the whole point was this is a deep record this is a deep band this is a sm- these are smart people we actually had an, a- an experience reading a um, Rolling Stones magazine do you remember this Nate and it said pleasure just another mindless funk band. Is that it? Oh, yeah. And it was like, yeah. we, we were resolved. To like, we're not going to, these people don't know anything about us. They don't know anything about who we are. Rolling Stone
0: seldom knew about the black and funk bands back I, then. Exactly. Back then. No, yeah. we,
2: we, we completely understood. But the whole point was, we're going to demonstrate that we are we are deep thinkers, deep players, you know. And that's where Future Now really came from. Because it was our
0: first record. We got to make ourselves. Like- well, you rose to the challenge, man. A plus. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank and, and you so much. And, 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 it, and it mes- as methodical as it sounds, or um, cerebral as it sounds, like we, we, we in, in retrospect, you, know, you always feel more cerebral. <laughs> but I but most of the time, we were just trying to do the best we could. We were trying to make yeah, the best oh, music totally. we could. That's what we're doing. We just say, we're going to do the best we can. Totally. And, ha- and have fun with it. And, and 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 that's pretty much what it was. It came out to what to, to you know, that's the result of it. I mean, I, I mean for, for Glide and Future, all those songs, man, we just, hey, it was just about just trying to make some good music. Yes. You know? can't believe my eyes is it true been so long you've been gone tell me girl what have you